This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey folks, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 220, recorded Monday, June the 22nd, 2015. We are keeping the schedule, Jason. It's two weeks since our last recording. It is. We're, I mean, we're slightly off. It's Sunday night rather than Monday night, right? N- n- now, see... <laughs> oh, you you were going to... Oh, sorry. Did I screw that up? No. We were going to lie to our, our faithful listeners? You see, you're you're pulling back the curtain a little too much there, because I'm going to release this tomorrow. Right. So I don't have to, you know, put it all together, edit it, and put it out tonight, which I don't mind doing usually, but I'm like, you know, I'll just release it tomorrow. I'm going to say Monday. And oh, then, man, uh, is it Monday already? Go. It just, it felt like, uh, it just felt like Sunday. Yeah, well. Weird. That I is. Got, I, I must have gotten confused. That is weird. Uh, it is, it is Monday. I was at work today. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> I had a really nice Father's I, Day yesterday. I forgot yesterday. to go to work. <laughs> I just simply forgot. <laughs> and nobody noticed. That's the weird part. <laughs> nobody called me, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a nice Father's Day yesterday. Good. And uh, today is, is Monday. So happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday. Took the kids to see Inside Out. Oh, yeah. That was fun. That was a nice movie. Very, Actually, a very good movie, I think. Oh, good. Uh, if you're into Pixar films, which who isn't? Come on. Um, My mother. My mother wouldn't know a Pixar film if I hit her with one. But I bet you if she watched Finding Nemo, she'd love it. I su- I should suggest it. Is Pixar on Netflix? Is there any Pixar movies on Netflix? I don't think so. I don't know. I couldn't tell you off the top or of my Disney, head. Or Disney, really, I guess. Well, there's, pro- there's probably lots actually on there, but I, I don't know for sure. But uh, anyway. Inside It was really good. I think it was Pixar's kind of most adult movie they've made and i don't mean that in in an adult kind of bad yeah, way. it's not an adult film no it's it's the most uh well a good kids movie will also appeal to adults it, because they that's true. you know kids don't go to the movies by themselves right but there's a lot of like there's a lot of the things in the in this movie at its core that really are complex too complex for younger kids to understand. Like, if anyone doesn't know, you know, this is a movie about a girl and it's told through the emotions in her head that have been personified by by characters. And But there's a lot of stuff in there that kids really wouldn't connect. Like, things like about abstract thought and the difference between facts and opinions and, and stuff like that that younger kids, anyways, wouldn't get. And I think it was really, really well done. Um, and I was talking to my kids after and they really enjoyed it too. But of course they don't, they don't really get all that kind of stuff. They don't get the train of thought jokes and things like that, but overall really great movie. So I, I recommend it. Good. All right. We got a few things to do on the show today. We are going to do the walking dead news. And we of course, uh, later on are going to do our actor spotlight on Tova Feldsha. So that should be fun. But the first thing we have here, Jason, is a new contest. And I meant to tell you about this before we started, but I forgot. I love a good contest, especially ones <laughs> where I can win. Well, you can't win, but you can oh. certainly participate. Okay, good. And I have a feeling you might want to. So friend of the show, Adam, came up with this idea. He is a guy who, he lives down in Austin, Texas. He's a graphic designer, and he's been going to be providing the prize for this contest, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, what he thought would be fun is to have people take a shot and guess at what they're going to call 
the undead in the new show, Fear the Walking Dead. So as you know, they sometimes they're called zombies. In the main show, they're usually called walkers or biters, things like that. But we don't know what the characters in Fear the Walking Dead are going to call the zombies. That's true. So it would be fun for people to guess, we thought. Maybe they'll call them the Walking Dead. Maybe. But, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that maybe. You never know. They could call them anything. We, we need people to guess to win a prize. So the prize, I'll tell you about right now, is going to be some hand-painted uh, zombie sort of action figures that Adam is doing. So he's a designer. He does all kinds of graphic art work, stuff like that. And he got these blank zombie figures. I think he even called them zombie blanks to me. And then you can take them and paint them yourself. And I've seen a picture of what he's done and they're fantastic. So I'll post a picture up on our website with this episode, but so you can get a good idea of what they look like, but we're going to give away like three of these to whoever can guess what they, uh, what they call the zombies on Fear the Walking Dead. Unwrapped mummies. That could be a guess. Sure, why not? See, I, I knew you'd want to participate in this. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, there's going to be a few rules that I came up with here. One is it has to be one of the main characters on the show. I don't want it to be like, like say there's a news broadcast on in the background and someone says the word zombie or something on there. I don't want, that's not going to count. What we want to do is sort of what the consensus is on the main characters referring to the undead. Right. So that's rule number one. Has to be a main character to coin the term. Um, the character who says it or the characters in general have to realize that it is an undead, that it is a zombie. They can't be like, is that person just sick? and they call them a sicko or something like that. You know, that doesn't count either. We need the characters to realize that it is, in fact, an undead monster, and they're calling it something. So that's rule number two. Right. And um, was there another one? So the winner will be basically the first time someone refers to them in this way, meeting those other rules. So it could happen in the first episode, could happen in the sixth episode of season one. Who knows? But they got to know they're dead, got to be a main character, and sort of the first time they refer to them, like, oh my God, here come the blank. So does, it, does the term have to be, uh, you know, coined, and they call it that from now on, or is it, or can, can it be something like uh, uh, just, you know, a, a one-off reference? Like, what if, they, what if there's multiple references to the same thing? What if somebody says... Oh my God, what are they? And then somebody says, oh, they're geek walkers, biters, uh, roamers, and they go on a whole tirade of calling them a whole bunch of different things. (laughs) And then where do we go from there? I think what we'll do is we'll say that they have to refer to them in this way in more than one episode. How about that? Okay. So yeah, because we also have a Sawyer issue like on Lost where he comes up with a new nickname for people every week. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we could, if if that happens, then uh, it's kind of, kind of weird as well. So it has to be multiple references over multiple episodes. Well, let's just say two or more. Yeah. So um, that's right. So it's something that's going to stick for a little while. And and you're right, not just be somebody blurts out something and then immediately immediately gets killed and then that's it. So um, that'll be that. But the final decision will come down to you, me, and friend of the show, Adam. All right, good. On what we do. So 
uh, I think this could be kind of fun. I hope to get lots of entries. So if you want to enter, all you have to do is send us an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And in the subject line, let's put, what should they put in the subject line? I don't know. Uh, right. Zombie blank contest? There we go. Zombie blank contest. Put put that in there. That sound that works for me. That helps me find all the entries a little bit easier amongst the masses of email that we get. Just do a search for uh, zombie. Uh, let's. I don't think I'll do that. That won't help at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, here's a hint, and it's not really a hint because I don't know what they're going to call them. But this is what Dave Erickson, showrunner for Fear the Walking Dead, said when asked about this. And this is kind of where the idea came from too. He said, "All I'll say is this." I love the fact that in the comic and the original show, the vernacular and the language varies depending on your community, your city, your state, uh, whether it's walkers or biters or whatever. The names that we'll play with are kind of specific to what our characters experience as the story begins. Right. So I think that's a bit of a hint coming from the horse's mouth. Yep. All right. So... Zombie blank contest. Send that as the subject in your emails to talkingdeadpodcast uh, talking at gmail.com. Tell us what you think they're going to call the zombies or the undead in Fear the Walking Dead with all those other rules in mind. So uh, that should be pretty fun, I think. I think that would be fantastic. Fantastically Looking forward fun. to it. Fantastically Fantas- fun. Yeah. Lots of uh, fun entries to come in. All right. Uh, that's that. That'll be running, of course, until... Uh, until we know, until, well, no, you know what? Until Fear the Walking Dead premieres. No, no can't be. Yeah, it's got to be past that because we have multiple episodes. So No, uh, but I it, don't want someone to enter after they've seen the first episode and pick one that they use and hope oh, they get shit. it the Oh, shit, yeah, you're one. right. You're absolutely right. Okay, so until uh, the moment it airs, as soon as we get eyeballs on the uh, on the show, the contest is closed. That's but right. not over. Correct, correct, closed. No more entries after that point. Um, and since we don't know the day that it's premiering on quite yet, we will update that as we find things out. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we'll find out at San Diego Comic-Con in a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. All right, that's the new contest. Moving on to this. The Walking Dead News. All right, it's time for The Walking Dead News. There's a bunch here. The first item in the list is that there's been another casting call for season six of the Walking Dead, the main show, and they're looking for two characters. And here, here they are. First one is uh, Kirk. Kirk is male, mid-20s to 30s, and the description reads, Just a couple of years ago, he was a young, blue-collar everyman from a small town who worked a job, was married, and followed the golden rule. He's avoided being cynical and bottom-line-minded, but the world seems to keep telling him to look out for number one and eliminate anyone in his way. Right. Except for being that uh, married and uh, part, he could be Captain Kirk. <laughs> I guess he could. Yeah, young blue collar everyman. Yeah, from a small town. Yeah, Ohio. Captain Kirk's from Ohio. Iowa. Sorry, Iowa. Don't get is that it, wrong. Yeah, or is it Ohio? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Kirk is going to be a recurring guest star with a series op- option for subsequent seasons. So nice. Um, that's Kirk. If there's any speculation on who that might be. Right in, let us know. And then the other one is Spock. Hilda, <laughs> all AKA Spock. <laughs> Hilda's female, mid 20s to 30s, uh, attractive, Kirk's wife. 
Oh. And she's a real partner to him. She's a strong woman, not passive or wilting, and she will be a recurring guest star. Yeah, okay, Spock. So it sounds like Captain Kirk and Spock. Good thing you're here to point that out. It, yeah. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have any opinion on who these who these characters could be, whether comic characters or new ones for the TV show. I don't really know. Um, but the way they describe them, since Kirk has such a longer description, and it says right here that he has an option for subsequent seasons, whereas Hilda very short, seems to just be related to Kirk and not, not much about her character, and she's just a recurring guest star, one of these two is not like the other. Right. So in the second episode that she's in, she's going to die in, uh, I guess the episode will have to be called The Wrath of Hilda. Uh, Maybe. Actually wouldn't be. Yeah, could be, because she's going to die in that second episode. Wrath <laughs> of Khan. Sorry, spoiler from 1984. 1984. <laughs> Um, except that Wrath of Khan was kind of retold in Star Trek, the new Star Trek, wasn't it? Now you spoiled a recent movie. Thank you very much, Mr. Christopher. <laughs> well, you know what? I was only spoiling Wrath of Khan from 1984. The uh, Let's look at the percentage of spoilers delivered by you and me <laughs> over the, uh, over the I months. I am trying to reform. Okay, good. Anything in the 80s is fair game? That's probably a fair fair rule, yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyways, those two are coming, and uh, one of them isn't going to survive, I would say. Maybe both, but if you have feeling who they might be, write in and let us know. Okay, speaking about San Diego Comic-Con, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, that's coming up very soon. And AMC has announced their panels for, for the convention. Awesome. And as you know, The Walking Dead always has a pretty large presence at San Diego Comic-Con. So here, here's the deal. There's going to be a panel for The Walking Dead. There's also going to be a panel for Fear the Walking Dead. On The Walking Dead panel, and it's a long list, we're going to have Andrew Lincoln, Norman Reedus, Stephen Yun, Lauren Cohan, Denai Guerrera, Melissa McBride, Chandler Riggs, Michael Cudlitz, Lenny James, and Sonequa Martin-Green, along with executive producer Scott M. Gimple, Gail Ann Hurd, uh, Robert Kirkman, um, Greg Nicotero, and finally, David Alpert. So the whole crew is there, really. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, that sounds like a fantastic panel. And it sounds like it's going to take about 20 minutes to introduce them and get them onto the stage. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. They bring out some of them, usually. They do a little Q&A with them for a bit, and then they bring out the rest of them. Now, I would think you just want to fill the stage with these people all at once, get all that out of the way, list off the names, and then get right into it. Like, why... Why waste time, you know, uh, futzing around when everyone knows who's there anyways? Yeah, really. So. You know what I learned the other day? What did you learn? I, I didn't know this, and I should have, is that Gail Ann Hurd produced uh, Aliens. She did. I did not know that. I watched a documentary on, like, it was behind the scenes making of Aliens and uh, about uh, uh, about the, the whole production in England, and she was on uh, being interviewed, and she produced the whole damn thing. She did. I think that's what she was primarily known for before getting involved in The Walking Dead. I mean, I, I at least me anyways. Like, I, I know she's done probably lots of things over the years, but that was the credential of hers when um, when she was introduced as a Walking Dead executive producer. It was always like Aliens producer, Gail Ann Hurd, is yeah. now joining The Walking Dead team kind of thing. That was Scott Cameron, right, that uh, directed that? Uh, his name isn't Scott. It's um, Kirk. Kirk Cameron. No. no. <laughs> What's his name? Um, <clears throat> Michael David Cameron. Michael Cameron. Brian Cameron. Oh my God. 
You, it's his last name's definitely Cameron, though. Yeah, he did Titanic, <laughs> right? Uh, Avatar, that guy, Cameron. It's Scott Cameron, and then I don't think. Or it's, maybe I know a Scott Cameron. I don't think it's Scott. DB. Scott Cameron's a guy you went to high school with. Probably <laughs> aliens. All right, aliens, nineteen eighty-six. Uh, directed by James Cameron. See James yeah. Cameron. I think Galen Hurd was married to James Cameron, but I don't know. Hey, he's Canadian. I didn't know that. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, awesome. Fear the Walking Dead. The panel for that. Oh, I should tell you that the Walking Dead panel will be at San Diego Comic Con from noon to one p.m. on Friday, July the tenth, in Hall H. Hall H. That's... About half the uh, half the panel will be introducing that. Large cast of characters. Mm-hmm. But if you're there and you want to get there, I'm pretty sure you should line up early. Maybe You should be lined before. up right now. It's Hall H. You know where it is. Go. Yeah. It's it's a big one. Wear sunscreen. Line up now. And line up outside? Uh, I've Well, from people I've talked to in the past, there's a lot of outdoor lining up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'd just go in to Hall H now and uh, set up camp. Right. Get people to bring you food every couple of days and then uh, refuse to leave and uh, maybe, you know, uh, camouflage yourself as a chair or something in the corner so that uh, you don't have to leave. But I would recommend going now. Mm. I Okay. I Go now. We'll just wander around for the next two weeks and uh, you'll be well, right on time. Well, two weeks? You don't need people to bring you food. Just bring two weeks for the food. Okay. It's July 10th. So it's about 20 days. Yeah, you're good. All right. Fear the Walking Dead. Here are the panelists for this one. And, oh, look at that. This panel is immediately following the Walking Dead panel. From <laughs> surprise, one to, surprise. Yeah, from 1 to 2 on Friday, July 10th in Hall H. And this one will be having Kim Dickens, Cliff Curtis, Alicia Debnam Carey, Frank Delane, Elizabeth Rodriguez, Lorenzo James Henry, Ruben Blades, and Mercedes Mason. And we also have... Uh, showrunner Dave Erickson and Robert Kirkman, Gail Ann Hurd, Greg Nicotero, and Dave Alpert. So only like half the stage has to leave, and then the other actors come out, and we just keep going with the panel. So all right, so the introductions will be a lot quicker for that one. It will be. It will definitely be quicker. But when you think about it, boy, is there an awful lot of Walking Dead um, personalities in one room at the same time here? Scary. It really is. I mean, boy, I hope nothing. Bad happens like the building burns down because hey 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 that'd be hey terrible hey, hey. don't say that <laughs> sorry uh, both panels will be hosted by Chris Hardwick of course of course that's what he does he's panel man um, anyways if you're gonna be there and you do get into these let me first say I'm jealous but uh, if you want to send us a really quick report immediately following the panels that would be fantastic because we're not gonna be there. You could be our, uh, what do they call it, an irregular reporter on the ground. Roving reporter? What I mean by irregular as opposed to regulars, as in, I'm using military jargon. But, uh, you know, you and I would be regulars. I'm pretty regular. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the uh, freelance, that's the word I'm looking for, not military jargon, but, uh, you know, freelance reporter on the ground. If you want to, uh, you know, send us a report, do so. All right. That would be very good. Okay, moving right along, we have another actor who is cast in Fear the Walking Dead, who I guess is not going to be at the panel, but this is a guy by the name of Coleman Domingo, and he's cast as a character named Strand. 
Strand. Which I don't really understand as a name, to be quite honest with you. I mean, maybe that's a last name. Like if I called you, if I called you Miles all the time, you could. Yo, Miles. Miles works as a first name too, though. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it's it's weird. The name is Strand. He's listed for six episodes. Uh, Coleman has been in stuff like Selma, Law and Order, Nash Bridges, and a bunch of other things I don't really recognize. Um, but he'll be on Fear the Walking Dead. Deadline, where I heard about this news, called him his character anyways a smart and sophisticated man with a mysterious past oh yeah i mean that's that one sentence right there is enough to sort of pique your interest isn't it uh mildly Come you know, on. anytime somebody says a mysterious past just means that they're saying words in order to not tell us anything mysterious past you don't yeah. know where he comes from you don't know where he's going he could be friendly he might not be why is he here what's he doing that's right. Where did what are, what's at stake? See, stakes are important. What's at yeah. stake? Where did, he could have just wandered out of the bush, or this is Los Angeles, so wandered out of an alley somewhere. Well, yeah, I don't. They don't have a lot. Is there bush in a lot of bushes? In uh, well, there's bushes. I mean, you could wander out of the bushes. I suppose there's a bush. I mean, there's a lot of. Oh my God! He's coming from the hedge. <laughs> careful and then he's just gonna back slowly back into the hedge like <laughs> that's right like homer <laughs> that's right like homer uh <laughs> all right so we'll find out more about him coleman domingo uh i must say a guy i've never heard of but he does have a fair number of credits on imdb so it's not like he's some unknown guy that's never done anything before um all right here's one more thing that i probably should have sent you before we started recording Okay. And that is the another promo was released for Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. So you haven't seen this, I guess, since I shirked my duty and didn't send it to you. All right. But No, I haven't seen it. It is a short promo. I can describe it to you. It features Frank Delane, uh, and he is running. He comes out of a building. He kind of makes his way through um the exterior of the building it's a little bit overgrown stuff like that through a fence he eventually makes it down to a road and he is just sprinting like crazy and the interesting thing is that he is wearing what appears to be a woman's top or maybe a a a woman's like thin cardigan sweater type thing Uh and nothing else on on top and a pair of jeans that he seems to be struggling to keep up as he's running away Right. So here's the deal with this. You know, we're supposed to think that he's running away in fear, terrified, probably of some sort of undead monster called a zombie or a walker or a roamer or something. We don't know. I have another theory, unless your theory is my theory. I'm pretty sure we may have the same theory, so why don't you let me know? What, you want me to tell you my theory? Yeah, even though you haven't seen it. He just jumped out the window because the girl's dad came home? Exactly. Something like that. Now, it doesn't look like a, a house. It's more of a warehouse building type thing, but it's it's quite, it's kind of hard to tell. But yeah, he could, I feel like he's in there doing something inappropriate, gets caught, and he's running away from somebody. I have a feeling this scene has nothing to do with running away from zombies. Well, see, I just went ahead and assumed that he was Bruce Banner that uh, recently turned back into Bruce Banner from the Hulk and needed clothes fast. Uh, so he just grabbed what, whatever was available. Uh, I suppose that's a possibility, but probably unlikely. You know, it's, you know, it would be, you know, granted an awesome crossover, but I, I don't think that the 
that's going to happen. The Walking Dead crossed with the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. Well, you know, Marvel in general. Oh, yeah, would be I good. You know, Iron Man versus zombies. <laughs> Spider-Man shows up all of, out of nowhere. Yeah, like they'd be a threat to Iron Man or Captain America. It's like zombies, you know, big deal. Yeah. Most of those superheroes wouldn't have too much of a trouble, I don't think, unless they Iron really Man. got caught. Iron Man would have no trouble because, you know, how many zombies could bite through Iron Man's armor? Yeah, none. And he's full of rockets and weapons and... Yeah, Iron Man was probably the best off. You're right. The Hulk's fine, unless he gets bit as Bruce Banner and then turns into the Hulk as he's converting to a zombie. That'd be wicked. That would be... Um, zombie Hulk? That would be scary, man. I mean, talk about the zombies with a secret weapon. That's okay, it. Okay, so right Zombie there. Hulk versus Iron Man. Zombie you know, Hulk Let Let us know what you think. <laughs> uh, you know? Not in Hulkbuster armor, but just regular armor. Regular Iron Man armor? Regular Iron Man armor uh, versus uh, Zombie Hulk. Zombie Hulk. I don't know. There's so many. There's so many things here to consider. Like, is Zombie Hulk as strong as you know Living Hulk? Can he still? Well, yeah, of course. But he's a zombie. Like his arm might fall off. Well, he doesn't have the coordination of you know actual Hulk, but uh, he's still. Uh, you know, he's still this—he's still the Hulk, man. So he's got these huge muscles, and he could rip people's arms off. So he can still punch people into orbit and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jump real high, smash stuff. That's what the Hulk does. I don't know. It's a tough call. I I think Iron Man versus the Hulk is is a f- pretty even fight as we've seen. But Zombie Hulk—I'm not sure if that's an advantage or a disadvantage. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, you know, discuss. All right, let us know. <laughs> um, anyways, if you had any thoughts on this Fear the Walking Dead promo featuring Frank Delane, whose character name I think is Nick, if I remember correctly. Anyways, he's running away wearing women's clothing, pulling up his pants, so we'll see what that's all about. Okay, finally, and what I think is maybe the most exciting news of the week, is this. Do you remember when we were talking about what the hell was going to happen with the Telltale Walking Dead video game. Yes. We didn't know, except for that guy came out and said, hey, there's not going to be season three this year, but there's going to be something really cool. And then last time he said, we're going to announce it at E3. Well, that's happened. So we know what it is now. And we said we'd probably know by the time we podcasted next. Well, guess what? We do. And it sounds pretty cool to me. What they're going to do is instead of season three of the Walking Dead Telltale game, they're going to release sort of a smaller mini series, almost like a, you know, I think it's three episodes and it's going to be all about Michonne straight out of the comic book. Nice. So we're getting a Michonne video game from Telltale, which hopefully meets their, you know, high level of quality. And it's going to fill in the gap from the comics because Michonne does not appear in issue 126 to 139. And everyone was like, what the hell, Kirkman? Where's Michonne? What's she doing? Why is she not in your comic anymore? And now we find out that, well, she's come back in the comic, and now we find out that they're going to do a video game sort of explaining where she's been and what she was doing. Okay, so you're telling me that she disappears in episode in issue 126? Yes. D- does everybody go like, because uh, I haven't read those issues at all. Like, I stopped at 100. Right. And they're up, okay, so that's my first question. My second question is, they're up to 139 already? Uh, even, no, they're up to more because Michonne came back in 139. Holy crap. I mean, has it really been that long? Like, is, is it still coming out once a month? 
142. That's what I'm holding right here. That's the last one I got, 142. So and she's been and back they come for a out once a month. Yeah, roughly once a month. They, they sometimes put out one, like they went every three weeks for a little while there. But so, it, roughly. Okay. So it's been like three years since I've read a Walking Dead comic? It's probably been about that long. Yeah. Holy Mackinac. And that's why. I got to go get some comics. Yeah, you do. You should at least read up to like 120. So you're only a year behind or a bit, you know? So you're. And alive. Half. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. So you got some comics to read, but once you do, you can now get this Telltale game that fills in the Michonne blank, which I well, think is- Well, that's incentive for me because I won't have to, won't be able to play this until I get caught up on the comics. Right, exactly. I think this is a really, really awesome idea, partly because number one, it's dealing with a character everyone knows and loves. Yep. It's answering questions about this character that everyone had who, I mean, who's been reading the comics and now that you- now that I've told you, you have the same question, I think. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, like, it's just, it's going to be, if it's anything like Telltale's first series of games, or well, the Walking Dead game, I mean, it's going to be good. You know, they have not disappointed yet, I don't think. So, this is exciting. I do think this actually is a pretty exciting announcement. Even though this kind of feels like a downloadable content for the main game, I think this is cool. I think that not having Season 3 is kind of I feel better about now because we're going to have something this is like this that is so awesome. They haven't announced voice actors at all, have they? Not that I know of, no. Okay. But I'll give uh I'll give our friend Melissa a call and see if she's in this. That'd she, be cool. she does the voice of um uh Clementine, of course, Clementine, in the main yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know if she's in this, but yeah, who's playing Michonne? I mean, that's that's exciting to find out right there. Right? I'm excited to find out. See? It's I mean, it's amazing. comic book Michonne, so it's not going to be Denai Guerrera, but, I mean, it could be. In theory, why not? Could be. That'd be, that'd be kind of a weird crossover, to tell you the truth. Uh, a little bit, yeah, because the show and the comic exist kind of in different universes, so it would be a bit weird, but I think I could wrap my brain up around it. Yeah. And I might be okay with it. Because Denai Guerrera is awesome, don't forget. That That's true. No, I would never forget that. Yeah, don't forget that. She'll kick your ass. <laughs> She'll come over to my house. Oh, that'd be worth it, but whatever. <laughs> Moving on. I would never forget that. Um, so this is coming out for all kinds of platforms, including mobile devices, which is weird. Um, but maybe not. Didn't the, I think the original game came out on iPad or something. Anyways, yeah, you're going to be My ex- to- Xbox is mobile. I suppose, yeah. You can take it wherever you want. Yeah. Uh, Xbox, PC, Mac iOS and Android devices, so you have lots of choices to play this game on and uh, have fun with it. I can't wait to do this. It's coming out in the fall. Good. And we will review it probably during the season six uh, Christmas hiatus, as we tend to do. Cool. All right, Jason, that is all the Walking Dead news for the week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it's our Walking Dead actor spotlight with Tova Feldsha. Stay tuned for that.
you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, you can do so in two fantastic ways. The first one is by visiting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. There you can make a small monthly pledge of any amount you want. And then all the money collected just comes back going into helping us produce the show, buy equipment, you know, uh, put together everything we need to make this podcast happen. That's patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. The other way to help out is by using our Amazon link at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. We have stores in uh, lots of the big international Amazon stores, so you can hit that link, choose the one that's most appropriate for you, and then when you do all your shopping at Amazon, a tiny cut of your purchase comes back to us, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. And of course, we have no idea what you purchased, so you don't have to worry about us seeing you buying anything that uh, you might not want us to know about, right? Right. So, I mean, we might be interested in knowing what it is, but, uh, you know, privacy is, is pretty important to Amazon. And to, and us. to us. Yeah. <laughs> so don't worry about that. Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon to do that or patreon.com slash the talking dead. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. This, of course, now is time for our Walking Dead Actor Spotlight, the first one of the summer of 2015. And we are going to spotlight Tova Feldsha, who plays Deanna Monroe on The Walking Dead. She, of course, was introduced in Season 5 at Alexandria. And we chose four selections from her back catalog of stuff which is pretty vast she's been around for a long time extensive extensive and uh, we watch them and what we do if this is your first time hearing us do a spotlight what we do is we we watch some back catalog stuff from one of the main actors we just talk about it just to not even see kind of how it influenced her career going towards the walking dead but just what you know the actor was doing over the years before they got the role that we know them from now. And in this case, we watched three movies and a TV show. I'll run them down right now, Jason, and then you can decide which one we talk about first. You got it. First one, 1973 movie of the week called Scream Pretty Peggy. Yeah. Uh, An episode of Airwolf from the 80s. It was season one, episode seven, called Fight Like a Dove. (laughs) A movie from 1988 called The Blue Iguana, and a movie from 2009 called Acts of Mercy. So what's it going to be? The Blue Iguana. We're going to start with 1988's The Blue Iguana. So this movie also stars Dylan McDermott, yep, Jessica Harper, and James Russo, and Tova plays Detective Vera Quinn. <laughs> so I'll let you start. Give, give a... Give a 
brief rundown of what this movie was all about and maybe some uh, initial thoughts on it. Okay, this was a bullshit movie about some stupid uh, detective <laughs> guy that uh, is uh, going through life uh, trying to complete as many tropes as possible. Uh, he gets roped into a PowerPoint presentation by a couple of people that we have to sit through in order to understand the plot. And then he goes off to uh, do some, well, some bullshit stuff <laughs> with some annoying kids. Uh <laughs> And then uh, not actually complete his quest. Okay. Uh, that's, <laughs> Sorry. that's that's Spoiler more... alert, but it's in the 80s, right? That's... Yeah, 1988. Spoiler worthy. That's right. That's more or less the plot of this movie. Um, here's the thing with this movie. So the main character is uh, played by Dylan McDermott, a young, very quaffed Dylan McDermott. Yeah, he's like 12. Yeah, he's pretty young. And he is a, um, what do you call those guys? A private detective? He's sort of a private detective. He's a... A dick? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Um, But that gets to what I sort of liked about the beginning of this movie. And that I thought, first of all, it had fantastic, really 80s-style opening credits. Oh, my God, with the rapping and the working the blue blue iguana lyrics into the song. They were amazing. They were amazing. I thought the opening credits were amazing. I sat down and There was was no breakdancing in this movie. I wanted breakdancing in this movie. (laughs) I sat down and was watching the credits. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want. And then the first third of the film... Despite the kind of weird PowerPoint scene, the first third of this film, I really enjoyed. I'll tell you why. One, I thought it had a really cool private eye sort of vibe to it. And I liked the I liked the cheesy voiceover. It I, was tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, private eye noir. Right. Uh, it was a private dick novel put to film. Yes. It was all, you know, ultra cheesy. Right. But it, it was like Sin City without the visual like styling of it, right? The sort of comic book visual styling of it. But I got the I got the same kind of feeling from watching this. The the it was one of those ah Dame walks into my office kind of voiceovers, right? See. Yeah. And <laughs> and like while you see Dylan McDermott going about doing the stuff he does. Um and I really liked that. I was like, Oh, I hope the whole movie's like this. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, and then I also sort of felt like there's a there's a goofiness factor to this that's working just under the surface um, that I thought enhanced the the uh, style the private eye style and I thought those two worked well together and I realized that as soon as the very beginning of the movie he's chasing a dude it's kind of like the opening scene he the guy runs up onto a boat like a big shipping boat and Dylan McDermott manages to shoot the guy off the boat from yep. the dock. And as the guy is falling off, you hear him yell, I can't swim. I can't swim. <laughs> and then they forget all about him. He's just like, he's in the water. Right. And like, what happens to that guy? They don't fish him out of the water. Is he dead? Right. But who gets shot, falls off a boat and yells, I can't swim. And that's what I thought was well, hilarious. Well, he didn't get shot. He, the, Dylan McDermott shot, the, uh, shot a rope, which knocked him off the boat because apparently this big shipping ship... Uh, this massive, you know, container ship had sails because there was ropes and a and a boom, and it it knocked him off the front oh, of the boat. Whatever, and he fell into the water and he yelled, "I can't swim!" And right? He's like, well, I guess he's dead. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, you know, I think if you're being shot at and you get knocked off a boat, I mean, you're gonna worry about not learning not swimming once you're in the water. But maybe while you're falling through the air, I'm not so sure. Anyways, well, I thought yeah. it was funny. Um, 
everybody over overacts in this movie, but again, it was at the beginning, it was kind of in a good way because it fit with the tone of the film. Everything was overblown and and just wacky, right? Well, the thing here's the thing. So right. I agree with you that the opening credits uh, kind of got me excited because of the uh, the ultra eighties cheese factor, and then when it got into the uh, you know the detective noir kind of thing. It was, uh, it, it kind of, it, I found that kind of delightful as well. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this could be kind of interesting. But then two things happened simultaneously. And this happened right around the time that uh, uh, Dylan McDermott showed up in the restaurant to pick up the guy, right? Uh, the, the, that ended up not being able to swim or at least yelling that he can't swim. He could have been lying. He could have been lying, I can't swim, so that he would fall in the water and then swim away. And now he's free. Uh, two things happened. One is if this film could hold this cheese factor up and be entertaining, I would have heard about this film. Maybe. Like at some point in my past, I would have heard about uh, the blue iguana and it would have become a cult classic. Okay. The second thing happened. It's a fair point. Wa- was that, uh, uh, I don't remember what the second thing was. <laughs> I think I just, I just, I think at, at that point it's just like this is gonna turn out to be complete bullshit. Well, for me, it started to fall apart uh, because once he got, I think it's to Mexico. They send him down to Mexico, right? Yeah. So Tova, Tova Felcha and Dean Stockwell are these. Well, Dean Stockwell, you see, I like, and I've got right. a whole spiel about Dean Stockwell in this movie. Well, they're the two agents who frame. Uh, Dylan McDermott's character, who's Vince Holloway, it's a good name, and they send him to Mexico to extract $20 million from some Mexican tax deal, something or other. It's hard to follow the- Yeah, because they're IRS the agents. They're not just you know, You're agents. Right. They're IRS agents. Right, so you have to do what they say. And her character, Tova's character, Vera Quinn, so bizarre. <laughs> it's yeah. just so weird. Like- is that what IRS agents are like in real life? I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. Well, okay. Uh, what's his name? Who? The other guy. Not uh, Tova, but the other guy, IRS agent. Dean Stockwell. Dean the Stockwell, Carl, Carl that's right. Strick is the character. Yeah, I just, I just think of, you know, the Quantum Leap guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's driving a Volkswagen Beetle with a, a flashing light on top through the whole movie. Like basically, <laughs> you know, no matter where he goes, he's got this blue light or this flashing light on the roof and he's got this blackjack uh-huh. <laughs> and, he, and his solution to everything is hitting that thing with the blackjack. The engine wouldn't uh, work on his car. He kept hitting the engine with his blackjack. Yeah. Dylan McDermott, he whacked him like 15, 20 times. <laughs> he just kept hitting him with this thing. Do you know what a blackjack is? Uh well, I know what you're referring to, but I didn't know it was called a blackjack. Okay, so that thing he had uh, was is a leather uh, baton that the police used to use. Uh-huh. It, it's a it has a spring loaded handle, and inside the the end of it is lead shot. So it's basically a lead filled leather balloon on a spring. Right. And the idea is to hit somebody with it, and they go down. Like right then, right there, they are down because you are hitting them with about three pounds of lead in this little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. So he keeps whacking Dylan McDermott, and Dylan McDermott is is pretty much dealing with it as if he's being hit with a balloon, because <laughs> you know you say "ow" when you get hit with a balloon because you're being hit with something. But damn it, it's a balloon. So <laughs> if he were to actually hit somebody with this blackjack, you would basically 
crumple to the ground immediately. But his name that's is the whole point. But his name is Vince Holloway, and Vince Holloway does not go down when hit with a blackjack. Apparently not. No. See. <laughs> so, but I like Dean Stockwell because he's the quantum leap guy, mm-hmm. and I now think I'm now in my mind am putting a blackjack in his hand in every role he's ever been, and he uses it all the time. Well, see, this movie had a had a good impression on you then. Yeah, well, cause, just because it was Dean Stockwell. If it was anybody else, I don't know if I would you know, be on board with it. Well, anyways, the movie started to fall apart for me once he gets down to Mexico and they introduce this kid character, which is ridiculous. Um, with and, dreads. Yeah. Or, with, you know, uh, he was in braids, little tiny braids. Little mini things, whatever they're called. Um, that character was, was ridiculous, I thought. And that's at the point where we kind of lose the the cool private eye vibe to the movie. And that's what I liked. So I started to lose interest here. Also, Flea is in this movie. The, yes, he the is. The guy from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think of him as the guy from Back to the Future Well, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was so bad. Like, I guess Flea had a had an inkling back then to try to start an acting career for himself because you're right, Back to the Future, this movie, I don't know if other stuff, but I'm looking at him right now. Oh my God. Yeah. He's still in things. Okay. I guess he does have an acting career, but he's he's terrible. He was terrible in this movie. Um, he was in the big Lebowski psycho, the psycho remake. Um, I hope you he's... don't cast Flea for his acting chops. Well, maybe you, you do now. You cast Flea because you're filming in L.A. and he's the bassist from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you, maybe he's better now. But boy, back then was he was he ever bad? I thought he was terrible. And then there's the only other thing I want to say about this this film is that there's some there's a couple of kisses in this movie. They are the worst on screen kisses I have ever seen in my life. I, yeah. It was it was just it was kind of like you know when you see a kiss on screen and like some kisses are good. Actors know what they're doing. They know how to do like a movie kiss. Yep. These people were like doing disgusting porno kisses in like a regular movie. Right. <laughs> and it just didn't work for me. I I thought it was terrible. Now the there was one part uh where um, Vince Holloway is met up with a woman down in Mexico and they're discussing terms of a deal. And, you know, she wants 50%. He's offering her less, something like that of this stat of this, um, amount of money. And she convinces him into uh 50%, I think. And then he says to her, well, you got to earn that 50% and then pulls her in and lays one of these disgusting kisses on her. And I'm like, oh, this is so bad. <laughs> Just yeah. so terrible. You want me to ruin something for you? Why not? Colin Firth. Any movie where he kisses anybody is horrible. Colin Firth cannot friggin' kiss anybody in in any kind of convincing way. Go watch Bridget Jones's Diary. Go watch anything where he has a love interest. As soon as he lays lips on his love interest, it's horrible. Did he The ki- man cannot do an on-screen kiss to save his life. Did he kiss anybody in Kingsman? Not that I recall. No, I don't think so either. That's probably a good thing. Anyways, yeah. okay, I'll I'll watch for Colin Firth making out from now on. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like John Bernthal's big ears. Once you see it, it's just one of those things that uh, is just ruined because that's all you can see now is you know when he kisses somebody, it's just like oh my god, man, take an acting class on how to kiss somebody. That's terrible. All right, I'll watch out for that. Anyways, Blue Iguana started good in my opinion, but goes downhill quickly and ultimately, eh, 
doesn't didn't really do it for me. And Tova's character is just so bizarre and sort of pops in and out of the movie once in a while that it hardly makes any sense. She was working out, though. Did you see the pipes on her? I did. She had some pipes. Yeah. <laughs> had some arms. All right, uh, let's move on to... Um, you want to do Airwolf now? Up to you, man. All right, let's do Airwolf then. So this was season one, episode seven, called Fight Like a Dove. Airwolf stars... Jan Michael Vincent or Jan Michael Vincent. I don't know how you Whatever. say his name. And Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Right. And Tova Felcha plays Sarah LeBeau in this episode. Yes. <laughs> Another good name, Sarah uh, LeBeau. Sarah LeBeau. <laughs> so you watched Airwolf as a kid, right? Well, I did. Not a lot because I didn't watch a ton of TV, but Airwolf was one of those shows that I'm like, hey, like cool military helicopter flying around, blowing stuff up. That's awesome. That's the kind of thing, you know, I wanted to see when I was a kid. And I had good memories of Airwolf. I remember really liking that show, thinking the theme song was great, thinking the the uh, helicopter action was great. And then I watched this episode of Airwolf. <laughs> my question is, oh my God. was this show ever good? Because no. it's not good now. <laughs> Holy moly, was it bad. Like... I cannot believe I ever thought this was any shred of decent. Okay, so there's two bars of the theme song that they keep playing throughout the entire episode. Yeah. The first five minutes of the episode, they had to explain the backstory of the whole show, which is, which is uh, another uh, PowerPoint presentation of, he stole this uh, helicopter in order to convince people to find, uh, was it his brother that was uh, missing in action in Vietnam? Yeah. It's like, what is he, a big crybaby? He's like, you're not going to look for my brother? I'm taking your helicopter, and I'm going to go hide in the desert. <laughs> but he's like the he's the most preeminent you know, military helicopter jet pilot there is. Well, the, you big stupid baby, why don't you take the helicopter to Vietnam and look for your brother? Well, here's the thing. I, yeah, I don't know. That, that part of the opening, though, was in every episode. That was like part of the opening credits. Yeah, well, because they had to explain the backstory. Because if that, it's just like, what's that guy doing with a helicopter? But see, you know, like I did big deal. But see, but as a, I don't know what what year was this from? Nineteen eighty, go to hell. It, I don't let's know. say it was nineteen eighty five. Like I was only ten years old, and so I was like, I didn't give a crap where he got the helicopter. Like, who cares? I'm just happy he has the helicopter and he flies it around and you know does all kinds of wicked stuff with it. Okay, so what is it? It's a helicopter that can go as fast as a plane. As fast as a jet, as fast as a jet, and that, that it, reminded me of Kick Puncher from uh, Community, <laughs> the man who can punch as hard as a kick. Right? Like, See? Who cares? If you want a friggin' helicopter that goes as fast as a plane or a jet, get a friggin' jet. Well, the helicopters are more versatile. They can vertical take off and land. I mean, you don't need a yeah. runway. And the first thing they did in this episode was take the helicopter to like 86,000 feet or something, like almost into space. Almost into space. Twice the the height of a cruising seven volt well, passenger jet. Yeah, you can't do that with a helicopter. Like you just like the only reason the only reason they could do that from the, with the helicopter was because they had the uh, the jet afterburners. Right, they got right? rockets on it. Jet jet engines. Why? <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Like, why bother doing that with a helicopter? Just put the friggin' things on a jet, and away you go. It's you get the best of both worlds. You get the the jet who can, that can shoot up to eighty six thousand feet or whatever. Uh, yeah. 
And he kept asking for, uh, I need full power. And then Ernest Borgnine would push the lever to full power. And then he would say, I need full power. And he would push the lever a little bit farther. And then he said for a third time, I need more power. And he pushed the lever again. So that was three full power. I'm at 103% now. And I know they were, they, they even, I think he even mentioned how the air is getting a little thin up here. So the rotors yeah, don't Yeah, we got to fall down to thicker, thicker air. Right. You know, you're no longer a helicopter. So why even bother? But, and then they don't, they don't just fly down to 40, 30, 20,000 feet. They go right down to like 500 feet before he like pulls out of the dive and kills them all. Right. <laughs> and uh, were the helmets a little original Battlestar Galactica for you? Because uh, they were a little original Battlestar Galactica for me. I didn't notice, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I think Airwolf kind of sucks. <laughs> it, yeah. It, <laughs> I, would, uh, I would agree with you, except for that word kind of. Right. Yeah. It's it's just so weird. It's it's a weird experience to have before I watched this to think back on Airwolf and go like, man, that was amazing. And watch this and think it was 100% the opposite of amazing. The whole thing was so dumb. I had a hard time like staying awake and paying attention while I was watching it. If this guy stole a helicopter and is hiding out in the uh, in the desert with it in what is all, all intents and purposes the bat cave, uh Where's he getting the fuel for? Because I'm I'm assuming that fuel is like super friggin' expensive. Well, in the '80s, fuel was really cheap. It, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> yeah. friggin'. I, I assume he's, uh, if he's got a helicopter that goes as fast as a jet, that he's using jet fuel. He's got to buy jet fuel, right? right? Does Ernest Borgnine have a small fortune that he uses for jet fuel? Yeah, he's the jet fuel guy. He's the supplier. Okay, good. All right, so that explains that. They didn't have that in the PowerPoint presentation at the beginning of the episode, so I had to ask. The whole thing about Airwolf, though, I realized, is that it's a little bit like Charlie's Angels. There's, you know, Airwolf does missions for people, but they don't really know, like, who's behind it all, right? Otherwise, he'd be arrested, the military would come after him or whatever. Well, it I, I assume that it was all part of a an 80s spiel. There was Charlie's Angels, there was... Uh, uh, Night Rider. There was the A Team. These are all, you know, outside of the law, mm-hmm. doing good, right? They yeah. are chaotic good people that have skills and or technology that other people don't have, and they're uh, they're doing uh, they're doing good because, damn it, the cops are crap, and they can't do their job because we need these other people to do it. The eighties were the Batman decade, apparently. Yeah, and people who worked outside the law but did it for the, used their powers to do good. Right, even though they're they're big babies, because the government won't look for your brother. So I'm taking your helicopter to Muna Hide in the desert with my <laughs> jet fuel Ernest Borgnine, and uh, random people will be able to find me because what's her name found him like pretty easily. You know, I right. know, I know that aircraft have windshield wipers, but if you noticed, Airwolf had wipers, and I just thought oh, yeah. they looked ridiculous on there. They were pretty ridiculous. And then did you see that the shot of the Airwolf when he had the hood open and it was all like wires and technology? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, kids, this is how it works. It uses technology. Like wires and a battery. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, anything to say about Tova in this in this episode? She had a British accent. Sort of, or yeah. some kind of weird British accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it was a good accent or a bad one. It was just what it was. <laughs> it was sort of an accent, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was, you know, a stellar performance, but, uh, you know, for Airwolf, I think it was great. Well, absolutely. She was the best thing in the episode, except maybe for Borgnine. Well, Ernest Borgnine just shines in whatever he does. Of course. You know who she reminded me of in this a little bit for some reason? Carrie Fisher. 
Carrie Fisher, really? Possibly her. I feel like she looked a little bit like Carrie Fisher, but maybe it was her style of acting. I, I don't know what it is, but as soon as she was on screen, I'm like, that's Carrie Fisher. Oh, do you remember at the beginning um, when she's first introduced, uh, the airwolf guy? Um, the big baby. Yeah, that guy and Ernest Borgnine walk into like the Batcave and she's like hiding behind the rock and then comes yeah, out Yeah, behind to the talk rock in the cave, yeah. That reminded me of something from Star Wars. What, when the Millennium Falcon landed in that cave? This is no cave? No. You know what it was? It was when uh, there's a scene where C-3PO is hiding somewhere. Maybe oh, yeah, he's hiding. R2-D2 takes off on Luke when they first right, buy him. Right, right, And then R2-D2 is hiding inside the, uh, you know, the shop where mm-hmm. they fix droids. Right, that's, which is, this is this is roundabout and weird, but it reminded me of that, and therefore, for some reason, her walking out reminded me of Carrie Fisher. <laughs> right, because Carrie Fisher and C-3PO are the same person. Kind of the same. So, I don't know, something about it came into my brain, and that was that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, other than that, there's I never want to watch Airwolf again. Yeah. I'm oh, get- speaking of Star Wars, uh, you know what I read today about uh, what was the actor who knew, who played Chewbacca? Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew. When they were filming uh, Return of the Jedi in the forest, yes. Uh, Peter Mayhew, when he was uh, walking around, uh, had two guys with orange vests walking around with him uh, because they were worried that somebody would think that he was Bigfoot and shoot him. <sighs> well that's interesting true or not great story great story yeah hey look there's bigfoot better take him out (laughs) darn right all right prove it you know in order to prove bigfoot exists you shoot it that's true that's what you do or take a really bad grainy picture of him yeah either way yeah all right so um airwolf not so good but if you're a huge fan of airwolf i'm sorry uh, yeah. All right, let's move on to... All right, you choose the next one. We got Scream Pretty Peggy or Acts of Mercy. Uh, Scream Pretty Peggy. Okay, Pretty Peggy from 1973. This was a movie of the week, which I guess means it's a TV movie. And it starred Ted Bissell, uh, Sean Barbara Allen, and Bette Davis. Betty who, Davis. Betty Davis? Betty Davis. Betty Davis. She's got Betty Davis eyes. Maybe you might know her from that song. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, she's a big, big name actress who was very popular at the time. Uh, Tova Felcha plays um, Maggie. Maggie, that's right. I wrote down the wrong name here. And see, what'd you write down? I wrote down Agnes Thornton, but that's not her. Oh, it could be Agnes. No, it's not. It's sure. It's uh, it's Maggie. Okay. Um, And this is her first credit, according to the IMDb, from 1973, long time ago. No, look at that. See, IMDb has her listed as Agnes Thornton. Yeah, but you're you're right. You're right. It's Ag- Agnes. I don't know why I'm thinking Maggie. Uh, yeah, it's Agnes. No. Uh, oh yes, yeah. you're right. You're right. The main character was Peggy, not Maggie. Right. <laughs> See, you confused me. Peggy comes from Margaret, so and Maggie comes from Margaret, so that's the confusion. Okay, Tova Felcha played Agnes Thornton, who is right. not a huge role in this movie. No. But the main character is um, Sean Barbara Allen as Peggy Johns. So, Scream Pretty Peggy. Um, what can we say about this movie? I thought, actually, I enjoyed it. I was kind of good, I thought. You thought it was kind of good. I thought it was. Uh, <sighs> the only way I can describe it is a 1970s movie of the week. Well, and that's right. But I think for that, it was actually really good. Um, 
It, defi- it was so derivative of uh, uh, Psycho. Yes. Like as soon as as soon as it started, I'm like, oh my god, it's Psycho. Well, it is. And I was right. It, it is, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I even wrote down the end reminded me of Psycho, where... The whole thing, as soon as we walked in the door, it's like, don't go above the garage. That's where the crazy sister is. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's Psycho. It's either the mom or the brother. Yeah, I didn't... I, honest, honestly, I did not see the end coming. I mean, I, I was watching it going... There's going to be a twist here, but I didn't really put it all together, but it did remind me of Psycho, but it didn't, I didn't feel that way until the very end where one character basically explains the movie to the other character. And that's exactly what happens in Psycho. The police are standing around and they explain the ending of Psycho to you, to the audience. And that happens in this film too, but derivative, sure, but I think it had enough style and, you know, for a TV movie of the week, which probably had no budget and, you know, no time to spend on perfecting the script or whatever, that I think they did a pretty good job. Um, So it was nothing fantastic, but the more it went along, the more I got into it. I think it was better, or at least I got more involved in the movie as I watched it. So maybe it got better as it got towards the end. Well, my problem is if there was a commercial break, I probably would have got distracted by a sandwich and not come back. Right. <laughs> so, you know, thank God there was no commercial breaks in the version that I watched on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could have been, you could see where the commercials were, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a TV movie of the week. But, uh, yeah, I would have, I probably, if if I was alive in the set, well, I wasn't alive in the 70s, but if I was uh, watching this and had a, you know, was conscious and uh, self aware at the time, which I wasn't, uh, that, uh, I probably would have ended up doing something else unless I was like sitting on the couch at like two o'clock in the morning and bored out of my skull, but couldn't sleep. And I turn on the black and white TV is like, Oh, movie of the week. Let's see but what see, this is all about. I'm not sure you're thinking about it. Like with your sensibilities from today, if, if you were actually back, let's say you were 20 years old in 1973, uh, 70s, this is 1973. You were watching this as brand new. I know it's hard to, Put yourself back then because, um, well, I wasn't alive in 73. I watched TV in the 70s. I know that. But if you were like an adult watching this in the 70s, I mean, maybe this would have felt a little different than watching it now. Maybe this would have felt newer and more exciting and less derivative to you back then because, you know, there hasn't been 40 years of time since then for us to get all used to it and desensitized and jaded and stuff. But I would have probably, if I was in my 20s, uh, in the 70s, I probably would have seen Psycho. Yeah, but... Oh, maybe, maybe not, maybe not, because I would have had to see it in the theater. Right. Or whether they put it on TV, but I don't think they're going to put Psycho on TV. So the TV networks knew that, and and that's why they made this movie of the week. I know, there's a lot of factors that would go into, you know, your feeling towards this. I'm just saying, if you were like a 20-year-old in 1973, not 20-year-old Jason from whenever you were actually 20. Like if I was 20 in 1973, I probably would have smoked a joint and uh, ended up watching, I don't even know what, well, probably see, this. <laughs> see, exactly. And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, you might have liked this more. And I, I don't, I can't claim to put be able to put myself back then, but I feel like I got a little bit more out of this. And I think the the acting performances in this were okay. I didn't mind anybody in this movie. None of them were really that crazy or bad. And um, I, I think 
character, you know, the main character, Peggy, was an odd mix of like naive and enthusiastic about what she was doing in this film. And it kind of worked for me because she's a young college student. She just wants a job and she wants to do what she has to to make a little bit of money. Um, Because she seems like that character seemed like for a lot of the movie had no idea that anything unusual was going on in this well, place. Well, no, because she hasn't seen Psycho either. Well, she hasn't seen Psycho, but I think she's just naive. And that kind of character, you need that sort of character for this movie. Otherwise, they'd run for the hills, you know, and that's it. Um, but it worked. It worked. That that part of it at least worked for me and so on. Um, but Tova Felcha, she just was in the opening scene. And um, I think it was an interesting opening scene because... The opening scene reminded me of Don, or Night of the Living Dead. Maybe. But I think what they show you in that opening scene is interesting because they're they're giving away... I mean, they're giving you a lot of information right there. They're giving away kind of what's going on at this place. Yep. Now, you don't know the context of it necessarily, but you know more than... You know, you might if they just picked up the story after that opening scene, after the first commercial break, right? Right, right. So, I don't know. And then it uh, it worked. I think this movie is ripe for remaking. Think about it. 40 years later. Well, they already remade Psycho. <laughs> I'm not talking about Psycho. They could make <laughs> this movie updated a little bit, and I think you would have a decent psychological thriller on your hands. The only thing that would bring it down is... People like you, who, who uh, you're gonna remake, you feel a, like a, they know the formula too well already, right? Well, I don't know if I know. Th- My wife is way better at this than I am, but I figured this out, you know, from pretty much five minutes in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I mean. Like, if you can figure out the movie five minutes in, I mean, that's not always a bad thing, right? Because sometimes, no. if you know the ending, you want to find out what the journey is to get there. Yeah, but. I don't know. I think I think this I figured movie... out Kingsman for five minutes in. Really? And then I know. Yeah, I, we talked about this. Oh, I don't yeah, want to spoil yeah, that yeah, movie, yeah. but uh, it's not from the 80s. Yeah, and that was it. Was kind of derivative of like multiple things for me, but I still enjoyed it. Kingsman was amazing. Um, I don't know if I go that far. No, I think it was really good. I've watched it four. Well, times. Colin first didn't kiss anybody, and that's a good thing. So that's a good thing. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, Scream, Pretty Peggy from 1973. I think this movie deserves some credit. For sure, for, you know, and maybe I'm a little bit of an apologist knowing that this is a TV movie and probably they really had very little to work with and I thought they did a good job. So there you go. Seek it out. It's on YouTube. Search for it. You can watch it. It's it's VHS quality. So if your eyes aren't too spoiled by HD and you can handle that, then you should watch it. (laughs) Yeah. You have to make certain assumptions about what's going on visually. Sometimes you do. Like which character is Tova Felcher or Feldspur? What's her name? Feldsha. Would you pay attention? Feldsha. Yes. Uh, Yeah. It took me, uh, I'm like, was that her? It's kind of young, but it's grainy. Yeah, that's her. No. Yeah, that's her. And then I went back later going, she's not in this movie. It's like, oh, she must have been that character right at the beginning. Yeah, that's I had to do that too, to be honest. I mean, she's so young. She was born in 1953. This was 1973, so she's probably 19. Yeah. Right? 19 when she was making it. So very, very uh, young. 53, 63, 73, yeah. Right. 20. Well, making or it. Or 19 when they made yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I had to... 
think about who she was. I mean, I knew she wasn't the main character. She wasn't the uh, mother and she wasn't the dude. So <laughs> there's not too many other actors in the film. She could have been. I thought maybe she was the sister for a while until five minutes in. And and then you figured that out. <laughs> and I figured that out. I was like, it can't be. Right. No, it can't be. All right. So that's Scream, Pretty Peggy. Finally, we have Acts of Mercy from 2009. This movie stars Alexa Palladino, Amy Benedict, and Tova Feldsha, who plays Nurse Ruth Baker. Um, this is a movie about a young nurse who goes to work in an old folks' home and, according to IMDb, unexpectedly finds herself on an ethical minefield. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, set in 1973. Is it? Yeah, well, they talked about uh, Nixon having right. to give up his, uh, or you know, provide the uh, the tapes, the audio tapes to the for the subpoena. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, uh, I watched this movie uh, today, and the weird thing is, last night I watched a documentary on the Nixon Watergate scandal. See, <laughs> so it's funny. How that's the, how I was able to place the date. It's funny how the universe works, man. Yeah. Somehow, somehow you knew. I know that. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'll start. This is another movie I thought was was decent. I, I liked this movie the most out of what I watched for this spotlight. Oh, that's good, man. That's good, because I like this one, too. I thought this film started, especially at the beginning, but even throughout, had some really good cinematography. It was really good. It felt kind of like a student film, but I liked it. Okay, that's a good... Good. Yeah, you know what? That's a good description. But there's a scene at the beginning before she she's on her way to the old folks' home where she's going to work. Um, and, and it's kind of an opening credit scene. She's sitting on a bench waiting for a train. I thought that was a beautifully shot scene. And even the way um, it was acted by uh, the main character, who was Alexa Palladino, yep. just sitting on a bench. I thought it was amazing. And then there's a shot of her standing with the train coming in behind her. Really, really well shot movie. And then... It, that kind of settles down a bit once they get to the um, the hospital. But even when they're in there, there's lots of great like long hallway shots and things like that. So the first thing I noticed about this movie was the really good cinematography. And um, not only was it really nice to look at, especially at the beginning, but they used it in an interesting way to provide mood. There was some really ominous type shots, you know, like I said, with these long hallways and hospital rooms and stuff like that. So whoever the cinematographer was on this, excellent work. I really think you did a good job. Um, And in terms of the movie itself, it's a pretty straightforward look at the ethics of doing certain things (laughs) in an old folks home. Right. Um, And I don't know if we should, this is from 2009, so I don't know if we should spoil this one so much, but... But uh, it was set in 1973, so... Well, I I don't think think so. so. Uh, I mean, I guess we can just say that the head nurse, played by Tova, um, has a certain attitude or outlook on some of the patients in this place. Some kind of moral ambiguity. That's right, and... You know, our main character, Maggie Collins, comes in. That's why you were thinking, Maggie, this movie has a Maggie. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. There we go. Um, Comes in and is unsure about what to do in the face of these sort of ethical uh, decisions. Yeah. Um, And I like this movie. Tell me why you like this one the most. I liked it because it was kind of a slow burn, mm-hmm. right? It was, uh, there was no action shots. It was mostly talking and, uh, you know, 
it was very laid back in its pacing, and I liked that. I kind of liked that. And uh, the cinematography I also thought was uh, was really good. Um, we didn't go outside a whole lot, which I kind of liked. Uh, so there's like lots of, uh, it felt kind of claustrophobic, but uh, you got a, a good feel for the uh, for the building, right? They got all the long hallways with the railings and the blank, stark rooms. Like there was no paintings on the walls. Yeah. There was uh, just, it was, I think it was staged really well. Uh, and I liked the acting. I thought the main actress, uh, I thought she did a really good job. I thought Tova did a, a good job as well. I think everybody did a good job. Um, the uh, the cinematography, the reason I was thinking of it as a, uh, a student film is that some of the blocking seemed a little, uh, I'm not sure, it, it unpolished, but I liked that. I didn't think that, uh, like, there was a couple of shots where there was a, a very big disparity in the height of the actors that were talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And so the camera had to do this kind of, you know, stay back. And every everybody was just kind of not in the sweet spot of the frame. And it seemed kind of odd, but then uh, it but it worked for me. I don't know what it was. Well, but did you, this, there was a, I just liked this. I liked the look of the film. I liked the feel of the film. And I thought the acting was good, too. Yeah, I think that kind of thing comes from, or it gives it a, it gives it a sense like it's not a film, like the camera's just there capturing what's really happening, right? Yeah. Sure, people are way, you know, different heights and so on. And in a normal movie, maybe someone would be standing on a block to bring them up closer to eye level or... Exactly, like they did in the X-Files with uh, Gillian Anderson. I was she just, was walking on shit all the time. I was just going to say that. She's so short and Duchovny was so tall, they'd film her like walking in front of him, right? Like yeah. a few meters in front of him. And from a low angle, so it kind of looked like they were the same height when you factor in the perspective and stuff. Um, but they don't do that in this movie. They don't worry about it. It's like this movie is just these people, they're dealing with real situations. Um, I thought the supporting cast, the other nurses and orderlies in this hospital, were all um, interesting characters, fleshed out just enough that they they enhanced the story, supported, you know, what was going on. They weren't just like background characters who popped in and out once in a while. They all had an important role. And and I think you're right. Um, Maggie Collins was portrayed really well by Alexa Palladino. And Tova Felcha was, was great too because she was so, at least for most of the movie, was ambiguous, you know? You think... I mean, she's very friendly. She's very welcoming. Welcoming. There's also this backstory with the previous head nurse who um, yep. our main character, Maggie, is is replacing. You don't really know what's going on with that. Um, but then things, you know, get a little complicated, a little weird. And that's where the movie um, really decides to ask its sort of ethical questions. The only thing I would say about this is that it seemed like it went... Um, it seemed like it escalated very quickly, right? Right. The whole thing was pretty ambiguous. Um, and you could almost see both sides to the argument here. And then all of a sudden at the end, it turns into something else a little bit at the end, a little bit more, uh, I don't even know how to say it without, without giving it away, but, um, it goes from sort of a quiet character study on ethics to, a different kind of movie right at the end. Yeah, it did. I would agree and, with that. And I didn't, I didn't mind that, but it stood out to me a little bit. Like if they'd almost left it a little more, if they'd stayed with the tone throughout the whole film, it would have been really, really fantastic. I think really great. But even having said that, 
this was a good movie, great acting, posed a lot of interesting questions, and uh, dealt with them in an interesting way. So, Yes. Acts of Mercy from 2009. If you're going to watch anything from our Tova Felcha spotlight, it should probably be that one. Um, the, the cover shot on the poster, like the movie poster, is really interesting. And I must admit, it kind of is what drew my, drew my attention to it when we were deciding what to uh, watch here. Right. And it's a still shot from a scene in the film, which is another really beautifully shot, really well done scene. So, um, I just thought I'd mention that, but, uh, because you don't, you know, it's posters these days are usually composite Photoshop works of heads and spaceships and all kinds of crazy shit, right? These days, look at the poster from Star Wars. Well, Okay. I guess so from movies since the beginning of time, but this one, it's an actual shot from the film. Our main actress is there. It's black and white. It may be retouched, but you know, it's, it's right out of the movie. And I think I really like that. Yeah. All right. There you have it. If you've got any more thoughts on, uh, Tova Feldsha on any of these things that we watched, or I guess anything else she's been in over the years, let us know. Send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, all right, Jason, we are going to wrap things up right now, but I wanted to let everyone know, well, I guess remind everyone about our contest. What are they going to call the undead in Fear the Walking Dead? Send those uh, emails in with um, zombie blank. What the hell was it? Zombie blank contest in the subject line. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was it would work too. So search for either one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and tell us what you think they're going to call the zombies in Fear the Walking Dead. You have a chance to win some really cool hand-painted custom original artwork zombie action figures from sh- friend of the show, Adam. So that's awesome. Cool. Um, and our next podcast will actually be three weeks from now. And there's a good, oh my God, there's a Chris. good, I know there's a good reason for that. And that is that San Diego Comic-Con is happening, which we talked about. And I want to record the, basically the Monday after that weekend. I don't want to wait a week to talk about what happens there. I understand. So that will be on Monday, July the 13th. Ooh, that could be tricky for me. Well, you and I will figure that out later. (laughs) But I want to record right after San Diego Comic-Con. One of the things we do every year is take a look at the trailer for The Walking Dead that gets released. And this year, I assume there's going to be two trailers, The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. So we're going to have lots of trailer to dissect and misinterpret as we usually do. Right. So that will be sometime around Monday, July the 13th. Hopefully we can make that work. Um... And that should be fun. So in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, give us a call, one 483 Is that right? That's not right. <laughs> God. Don't you have a sign that says what the phone number is? Yeah, but you know why? Because we changed the phone number, and my God, my brain has stopped functioning. It's like summer is here, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. The number oh, is... Oh, yeah, happy summer, by the way. Longest day of the year today. Oh, yeah, thanks. I spent it building... New... Oh, wait, sorry, yesterday, because today's Monday, yesterday was Sunday... You're doing it again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> What's the phone number is one eight six six four eight two nine six six two, right? God damn. Oh no. Okay. Well you gotta keep track of these things. I never man. call it. I don't write it down. Right. Don't call the damn number. Go to our, our website and click on send voicemail. That's a good way to do it. Anyways, the quality is usually better. You can record right into your computer and then it comes straight to us. 
Um, I do know that you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Facebook is usually where I post stuff that I find interesting that we usually talk about on the show, like trailers and posters and video game news and this and that. So like us on Facebook to follow along with that. And as I've mentioned a couple times throughout the last uh, hour or so, our email address is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. I know that one is true as well. Good. Okay. Um, I'm going to go and collect myself, and uh, we'll be back in three weeks. So until then, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye. It's 42, right? 42. I don't know. I really honestly still don't know. Well, <laughs> I, I did write it down. Like, it's got a sticker on my computer here, so I can just read it off and not be an idiot. But, you yeah. know, we don't record for a while, and I become an idiot. I don't know what it is. Well, where's the sticker? It's right on my iMac, right facing right in front of me here. Is the sticker wrong? Yeah, because it's the old phone number, but I've always been able to... Um, uh, where's your label maker? ...fix it in my brain before I say it. <laughs> where's your label maker? Um... It's over there behind me. Get it right after the show. Print a new label. Print a new label. It's probably a good idea. I did that with my work phone number. I put it right on my computer because people are asking me, where, where can I reach you? And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know anything. If you don't know your work phone number, you don't know our phone number. Well, it's supplies. my computer. It's my link. Or actually now it's called Skype for Business phone number. And... Uh, I'm calling it one eight six six four eight two nine six six two. The number you have dialed is not in service. Damn it! Check the number and try again. Four eight three nine six six three. No, Is it's, it's 9662. Oh, no, it's 1844483. The number didn't change. The 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 uh, toll-free extent the toll-free whatever you call it changed. 1844483966262. Hold on. This is going to work. I I can feel it. Hi, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And thanks for calling the Zong Line. We're not on the internet right now, so please leave your comments after the tone. Remember to be brief and leave your first name and location in the message. Thanks for listening.